Hello, thank you for listening to this sermon from our Revive service. We hope it helps you learn more about God and allow you to grow closer to Him and in your faith. Good morning. Good to see each of you here. If you have your Bibles, you can turn with me to the book of 2 Corinthians. 2 Corinthians, as we continue our series here, 2 Corinthians chapter 9. Last week we looked at verse 6 and the sowing reaping bountifully in our first week of joyful generosity. Today we continue in this series, the four-week series of joyful generosity, and uh, we'll use 2 Corinthians 9, verse 7 this week. Last week we used verse 6. Today we're going to jump on verse 7. Hopefully um, none of you started gardening this week because I just want to let you know there's a huge snowstorm coming, so... If you planted anything, make sure you cover it well. Or anyway, that was a joke. Um, you like being around happy people? Isn't it, isn't, it a, isn't it fun to be around somebody who's pleasant and happy and joyful? It's, uh, it's one of those things that uh, I think we naturally are drawn and we're a little bit more comfortable when we hear people laugh, especially children. You ever notice that? When a baby laughs, like you can't help but smile, at least for me. I can't, I can't even control it. Like you, you are looking on your phone and you see this little baby laughing and like you can't help it. You can't put a frown on. And, uh, and so we're drawn to that naturally. And we like to be around uh, joyful people uh, happy people, um, and 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 we hope to be that, right? Now, maybe some of you don't care, um, but I think overall, most of us, we we don't want to be the Debbie Downer, okay? And we'll talk a little bit more about that side of it in a minute. But think about this: you ever been around somebody who's really a joyous giver? Somebody who's just, like, it just oozes out of them. Like, they're a giver, and it just comes naturally. And maybe they don't have a lot of money, but they give of their time, or they give of their energy, or they just, they enjoy giving. Ever been around those people? I'm sure you like being with them, too. Because they're givers, and they do it well, and they do it joyously. It's something that we want to look at this morning in our text as we think about this and what, what, uh, what God tells us about giving. And, uh, and there's lots of givers, but the Bible tells us that we should desire one type of giver being that type of giver because that pleases God. And so let's look at that here. Let's read Second uh, Corinthians, and I'll read verse 6. Um, what we covered last week, and then we'll look at verse 7. 2 Corinthians 9, 6. The point is this, whoever sows sparingly will also reap sparingly. Whoever sows bountifully will also reap bountifully. Each one must give as he has decided in his heart, not reluctantly or under compulsion, for God loves a cheerful giver. And that's what we want to look at this morning that God loves a cheerful giver, a cheerful giver. Will you pray with me? Lord, thank you for the opportunity to dig into your word. Lord, it's wonderful to be in the house of the Lord. 
Lord, with these wonderful people. And I just pray that you'd bless our time in your word. Help us to see what you would want us to see. Help us to, to take to heart the things that you're showing and revealing to us. And I pray that your spirit would continue to mold us and to make us into the people that you want us to be for your glory and for your honor. Lord, use your word in a powerful way this morning. We pray this in the name of Jesus. Amen. Um, Chuck Swindoll says this, we would be wise to address our reluctance to sacrifice financially for the cause of Christ. And I say that at the very beginning, because let's be honest, if we're all honest, most of us, and I'm not going to speak for a hundred percent, but I'm going to speak for me and the majority. The majority is we're usually, we can be at times reluctant in our giving. And when it comes to giving, I'm not just talking about finances. I'm talking about everything that God has entrusted to us. Yes, I am talking about giving too of our finances, but I'm also talking about our time, our energy. I'm talking about the knowledge that God has given you. Everything that you have, there are times in our life where we are reluctant in giving. And Chuck Swindoll says it would be appropriate for us to acknowledge that there are times that we are all like that. I think it's wise as we think about this aspect of giving. I want to look at this verse 7 and just dig in with you a little bit uh, here and just look at some of the words as what we see. Each one must give as he has decided in his heart. And then Paul says this, not reluctantly or under compulsion. So those two words, let's look at them. The first, reluctantly, is a Greek word, lipe, and it means grief or sorrow or unhappiness with regret. So we aren't to give out of sadness. We aren't to give out of sorrow or grief. It isn't something that in, that, in our giving that we are doing unhappily. And he says this also, and not under compulsion. Compulsion is a Greek word, anike. It means necessity or pressure or distress, complete obligation or out of trouble. So Paul helps us to see, okay, as we give, we are not to give out of an unhappiness, nor are we to give because we're pressured to do so or out of complete obligation and in fact, what he says here is that we are to be, what? A cheerful giver. The Greek word there for cheerful, cheer, cheerfulness is hilarious, which sounds like what? Hilarious. Isn't that hilarious? I say that word all the time. My family makes fun of me because the way I say it. But hilarious. So this Greek word, hilarious, it's only used one time in the Bible in this, in this way, and, and, and it's used here in our text. Uh, and it means to be cheerful, merry, joyous, or happy. Hilarious. And so I ask you, are you a hilarious giver? I'm, I'm not saying like you have to be crazy. But think about that and think about as we walk through this morning... That, that is the underlying theme of being what God is pleased with. Our text tells us here that God loves a cheerful giver. 
He loves a hilarious giver. I'll get into more to this next week, but uh, I started reading a little book um, by Chip Ingram. Great little book. And he details in this little book about how when he first started at a, at a small little church of about 35 people, uh, one of the main elders of that church invited him to his office. And when he went to this office, this, uh, he was a huge he was the president of a huge corporation, and uh, they met in this big tower and had this extravagant lunch. And he said, uh, for him, he felt very uncomfortable uh, just eating in that way. But the, the, the gentleman uh, wanted to celebrate him and wanted to share with him some information. And so as Chip Ingram, pastor, first pastor, starting in a small little church of 35 people, meeting with uh, this elder that that for a year, had not really gotten to know a whole lot other than the meetings that they had uh, once a month. And so he met with this, uh, this elder, and the elder shared with him and handed, he said, I want you to do something for me. He said, you are encountering people with needs all the time. And he said, I would love to help those people. And so he gave him a checkbook, a checkbook that had $5,000 in it. And he said to Chip, he said, I want you to go and I want you to spend this and use this for the needs that God brings across your, your plate. And Chip goes on to explain like at first how, how crazy it was that he had um, this checkbook of $5,000 and that he was going to write like a, a, he didn't have to seek permission of this elder. Uh, it was his, his money to do as needed. And every couple months he would meet with him again and share the stories uh, the, how God had worked and how God had provided. And so that gentleman then just put more money and he kept, kept that account going as Chip continued to use that. Um, he shares in this little book about how that is really a picture of how we live and how we are to live, right? Um, we are not owners of what we have. Let me break that to you. I know, I know some of you, that's hard news for you to get. But you know what? You actually, you don't, you don't own anything. God has given it to you and he's the owner and we're his steward. We get to steward all that God has given us. Our time, our energy, our resources, our money, the gifts and abilities. All that we have, God has enabled us to enjoy. And it's just like that checkbook that that older gentleman gave Chip said, Hey, I want you to use this to minister and to reach other people. It's like that in our lives. And what, what Chip shared is over time, like he, he began to think like this gentleman because he wondered, okay, how, I wonder how he would want this spent. I wonder if he would be okay with this. I wonder. And as time grew, he began to know this gentleman better and better as he started to just really ponder and think about this guy that he would go months without even thinking about who he was. And yet we can do that with God, right? We can go months. We can go a long period of time. We can go a week without even thinking, Hey God, wonder what you would want me to do here. I wonder what you would desire for me in this situation. Chip said it was a great joy every couple months to sit with him and just to share about how God had blessed and how God was working. And he even said that there were times when they were in this restaurant 
that this, this older gentleman would just shout out aloud, amen, praise God. And he said it was so awkward, you know, like they're in this restaurant. And this, he didn't care. This older man, gentleman wanted to glorify God through what he had. <clears throat> think about that for us. And think about the opportunity that God has enabled you and I, that generosity can be joyous. That we can be generous, you can be generous, because our Lord has promised to care for every need that we have. Isn't that awesome? Isn't that awesome to think about how God has promised to provide everything that we need? Think about this from, from the text of Philippians. Philippians chapter 4, verses 6 and 7, where Paul again writes, for us, be anxious, do not be anxious about anything, but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God and the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding will guard your hearts and your mind in Christ Jesus. Maybe it would be best if you are reminded again this morning of, of what Jesus shared in Matthew, in Matthew chapter six. Where he says, therefore, I tell you, do not be anxious about your life, what you will eat or what you drink, nor about your body, what you will put on. Is not life more than food and the body more than clothing? Look at the birds of the air. They neither sow nor they reap nor gather into barns. And yet your heavenly father feeds them. Are you not of more value than they? And which of you, by being anxious, can add a single hour to his span of life? And why are you anxious about clothing? Consider the lilies of the field, how they grow. They neither toil nor spin. Yet I tell you, even Solomon in all of his glory was not arrayed like one of these. But if God so clothes the grass of the field, which today is alive and tomorrow is thrown into the oven, will he not much more clothe you, O you of little faith? Therefore, do not be anxious, saying, what shall we eat, or what shall we drink, or what shall we wear? For the Gentiles seek after all these things, and your heavenly Father knows that you need them all. But seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be added to you. Therefore, do not be anxious about tomorrow, for tomorrow will be anxious for itself. Sufficient for the day is its own trouble. What's awesome when this text is what we see about the, the verse 33, but seek first the kingdom. And I love how that points us back to the Lord's prayer. In just the chapter before, in, in 6 verse 10, it says, your kingdom come. Here we are with a focus, with an understanding that this kingdom that we're looking and observing and seeing, that it is God's, it's not my kingdom. And so are you trying to build your kingdom? And let me just let you know, you will not find joy in building your own kingdom. But you will find extravagant joy when you build God's kingdom. When you get in and you're a part of what he is doing. He is the owner. And we get to enjoy all that he has blessed us with. As his steward, we have responsibility. And there are times where I've looked at, and I'm still a process, this is a work in me too. Because there's times I look at things and I look at it from the stewardship aspect where I'm like, well, I'm not so sure that God would want me to do that. 
is that, is that being a good steward? And how many times that really has sucked the joy out of maybe what God desired. And there's other times, as we're going to look at here in just a minute, God leads us and we allow his spirit to guide us and to direct us where he says, hey, that's not where I want you or that's not what I want you to do. And so as we think about this, how we view God, how we view the owner will have an impact not only on what we give, but how we give it. How you view the owner of all the things that we have. How you believe he thinks. How you see he acts. What you believe his heart is. What you believe about the owner will reflect in not only how you give or what you give, but also how you give. I love this aspect of giving and I'm working on it in my own life. And I hope that you're working through it too, challenged, um, knowing that we haven't yet arrived. I love the aspect because giving isn't just money. Uh, it was several years ago and it's something that rings for me that God used to encourage me. <clears throat> I had a conversation with my mom. We were drive I was driving somewhere and I was on the phone with her and and I, I, I was kind of venting, okay? I was complaining. And um, I just said, Mom, I said, we just, we don't have a lot of money. And I wish I had more to give. And my mom, without skip, skipping a beat, she said, Aaron, you are a giver. She's like, you may not have money to give. She said, but you give your time, your willingness to go spend time with people and to meet with them and to counsel with them. She's like, you give in other ways than just money. That's why I think our finances are critical and important because, because it shows a reflection of our heart. But hear me this morning. Generous, joyous giving is not just money. It is an aspect that we get to give as a steward of God. It is just one area, though. And I hope that we can become hilarious givers in every aspect of our life. We see this as Paul writes. Second Timothy 1, Paul's writing and he, he, he shares this with Timothy as an encouragement in Second Timothy 1 verses 16 through 18. He says this, May the Lord grant mercy to the household of Onesiphorus, Onesiphorus for he has refreshed me and was not ashamed of my chains, but when he arrived in Rome, he searched for me earnestly and found me. And may the Lord grant him to find mercy from the Lord on that day. And you well know all the service he has rendered at Ephesus. Think about that, how God had used this man to refresh Paul. He was a hilarious giver. He searched for Paul in Rome. He was, he was out for a hunt in order to encourage Paul. A text that we just were reading in the book of Philippians. And this has to do with finances and giving. Philippians chapter 4, verses 14 through 16. After Paul has just said, don't be anxious for anything, but, but in thanksgiving, let your request be known to God. Then he says this in verses 14 through 16. Yet it was kind of you to share my trouble 
And you Philippians yourself know that in the beginning of the gospel, when I left Macedonia, no church entered into partnership with me in giving and receiving except you only. Even in Thessalonica, you sent me help for my needs once and again. Not that I seek the gift, but I seek the fruit that increases to your credit. What is awesome is what we see is, is Paul is saying again, look at how generous you were. You gave and you ministered your giving gifts. As we think about this in our lives, there's three things that I'd love to throw out for us to consider this morning. As we think about, do I qualify as a hilarious giver? The first step is to do this. I think as we, as we look at our lives, is we need to examine our heart. We need to examine our heart. I think sometimes we are good with talking, but our actions are slow to follow. I'm good to say, say the right things, but often my actions will, will, will come later or never come. I can talk, but can I walk? And so asking God, Lord, are there, I have good intentions. Help me to put feet to that. I, I would also ask you, as you examine your heart, do you give because you care? Or do you give because it's guilt that motivates you? Is guilt motivating you to give? Guilt is not a good motivator long term. Uh, we, we have an extremely loving and gracious God. And he has done amazing things for us. God wants us to feel bad about our sin. In fact, he wants us to not just feel bad. He wants us to repent and to turn from it. But he tells us in turning from our sin that he is willing to forgive us if we repent, if we call it by its name and we ask for forgiveness. He is willing to forgive us of all of our sin and to cleanse us from all of our unrighteousness, which shows me that we don't have a God who desires to, to strike us down and to put his thumb heavy upon us, to make us feel guilty, no, Paul says now there is no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus. So it is not out of guilt that God motivates us to give. God gave his son not out of guilt, but out of love. As the owner of all good and great things, as we imitate our God as his stewards, we need to examine our hearts and See that as we give, it isn't to be out of guilt. It's because we love God and because we love other people. Are you an impulsive giver or do you prayerfully give? As we search our heart, uh, I'm, I'm an impulsive giver. Especially as I get older, my emotions, you know, I watch these chick flick movies, which... Let me just say, I've had my fill the last few days. Marissa had some wisdom, some wisdom teeth out. And, uh, and as I cared for her, she's like, Dad, can we just watch something else, not sports? And I'm like, all right. I'm like, I'll graciously give to you. So these chick flicks that I I can tell you every time what's going to happen. I won't go over that right now, but you start watching a movie and you're like, okay, I, 
this movie's over after 10 minutes. But, but in that giving, in that time of giving, you know, you, you start getting, I start getting wrapped up into it. And that's part of why I don't like it anymore. Because it's like you're sitting there and you're like, oh, yeah. Oh, man, that's so sad. We were watching one yesterday. It's like, this is so sad. And Lisa's like, it's okay. Wait, it's going to get better. I'm like, oh, you've already watched this one, huh? And so when you think about that, our emotions are part of who we are. Emotions aren't bad, but we can't let them dictate what we do. All right. They're not to be the engine that drives us. Our emotions are the caboose. And for those of you who don't know what a caboose is, because a lot of trains don't have them anymore, but a caboose was always at the end of the train, at the end of the line. And there was always a guy at the end making sure that everything was before it was happening and going well. And he would notify the engineer in the front if something bad was taking place. But he never dictated where the train was going. And that's the way it should be for us as we give. There are times that the Spirit leads us in those moments and in those times that, that we have the great opportunity to be gracious and wonderful, hilarious givers. But let me encourage you, as you go throughout this year, that you would be prayerfully asking God, God, how can I be a hilarious giver? How can I be a cheerful giver Throughout this year. Now again, let me just pause and let me encourage you. It doesn't take you to have millions of dollars or to have a bunch of free time to be a grateful giver. God has entrusted to you what he's given to you. And he wants you to use it for his glory. As you continue to examine your heart, are you consistent? Are you a consistent giver or are you just hot and cold? Today I feel like it, tomorrow I don't. Again, when we think about this, a cheerful giver, the hilarious, a joyous, happy, it isn't run on our emotions. It's run on a consistency that's based out of this. It's based out of our faith and belief in God's promises. It's, it's a belief that says God is so good that I cannot outgive him. That God has blessed me so much. Why would I not want to encourage other people and to help them and to minister to them? My cheerful giving comes from, again, the, my faith and my belief that God is also a gracious and grateful giver. God loves giving. I don't want you to give in order to help your income to increase. That's not good motivation. I don't want you to give just because somebody else gave. I don't want you to give out of compulsion. I want you to give because God is such a loving and giving God that you want to get in and be a part of what he's doing. If God is working, do you want to be a part of that? 
Most of you, I know your heart and I know who you are. Why would we not want to be a part of what God is doing? Let's jump in. And as we examine our heart, ask him for the faith to trust that we don't have to be anxious for anything. So that's the first, to examine our heart. The second is this. As we look to be cheerful givers or to be hilarious givers, I want to encourage you that you would look beyond just your finances to refresh others. How are you refreshing others? How are you building them up? How are you helping to, to take a little bit of their burdens and to say, you know what? I want to be a cheerful giver. And, and, and God, would you lead somebody in my life that I could be able to come along and minister to? We saw that, right? In 2 Timothy, as Paul was writing about Onesimus, who came and who, who searched him out, who came along and to minister to him, to refresh him. It's a way that we can give. It's a way that we can be cheerful givers as we seek to refresh others. Now, there are different seasons in our life. I'm not asking you to just set aside all the sorrow or all the hardship or all the struggles. Those are very real. Difficulty, pain, suffering, it's real. I just thought, I think of Philippians where where Paul writes about Jesus who considered it a joy to go for us. In the book of Hebrews, the writer says that Jesus considered the costs and counted all joy. Maybe, maybe it does require our life. But is there anything, is there anything better than doing what God wants? Be joy givers, not joy suckers. We would all say, man, I don't want to be a joy sucker. I'm not calling any of you joy suckers. I used this term a, a few years ago, and a couple people took offense, and I'm sorry. I am not speaking to you personally. So if you feel like you're sitting there and I'm talking to you, it is the Spirit of God. I'm not that good, okay? I don't know you that well. So if God is speaking to you, listen to him. When Lisa and I took our sabbatical eight years ago, one of the things that we did is we went to a Tim Hawkins um, night. And if you don't know Tim Hawkins, he's a Christian comedian and he is hilarious. All right. He really is. And he made us laugh. And we realized that night that we hadn't laughed for a long time. And one of the things that we realized is in the midst of the ministry, we were so involved in helping and serving other people that we were struggling with being refreshed and just laughing. Some of you, I love being around you because you just make me laugh. You refresh my soul in that way. I, I try dad jokes, and I was going to start off this morning with dad jokes, but... That didn't go real well for our jazz Christmas, so I decided I wouldn't do any of that. But there is one really cool one, if I could tell you. No, I won't. I'm just teasing. Ask me afterwards. Will you refresh others? 
a cheerful giver. The third is this, acts of big generosity. Acts of big generosity. <clears throat> I think sometimes we short we shortchange our God. There are times we put him in a box and we say, okay, God, I, I trust you. God, I love you. Okay, here you are. And we, we, we like it when we can control. We think we have control over him. We think we know exactly how he's going to work and how he's going to move and what he's doing. And there are certain times, and maybe it's happened in your life, where God just blows up your plan, where he just says, listen, I want to show you how big I am. That's our God. The same God that we read over and over in the scriptures is the same God we serve today. And he loves doing big and crazy things. There's projects in our past here at the church that, that if God wasn't involved, it would not have happened. And it's so awesome to be a part of that because it takes, it takes the pressure off where, we just, where we've said, okay, God, if you can do this, it's got to be of you because there's no possible way that we can formulate or come up with a plan. When was the last time you did that in your life? I'm not saying go crazy and say, oh, I'm going to go out west and travel like a nomad. And hey, if God wants you to do that, to go reach people, go do it. If he doesn't, then don't do it. What I'm saying is, listen, seek the face of God. And ask him to begin to do work in you so that as you live your life, that there will be a moment and there will be times in your life where you're like, okay, God, I'm here. I'm here willing to do what you want. And if this is what you want, I'm willing to do it. But it takes that step of faith. It's so big and it's so crazy. People would look at you and say, man, that's hilarious. That's so crazy. That's so out of the world. And they might have some other verbs that would describe it. But as we serve and as we give, how awesome is it that we have a God who owns it all? It goes back to that owner again. That concept, that idea that what we have and what we are enjoying and the responsibilities that we have shouldn't be a weight upon our shoulders, but that we get to give generously. We get to hand out, we can extend, and we can say, God, would you do something that would be impossible? I want to be a part of that. And the more that I see this awesome opportunity of cheerfully giving, the more that God starts revealing and saying, man, Aaron, you have not seen the best yet. It's coming. Again, I don't want to be a Debbie Downer. That does not guarantee that life is going to be all like roses and tulips and dying poinsettias. Listen, life is hard. And following Christ costs us. There are some who are going to lose brothers, sisters, fathers, mothers, friends. It may cost you a lot. But I'm telling you, if you follow Christ and you give him every aspect of your life and you're obedient to him, there's nothing 
worth that this world could give you that would replace that. So when we think about giving, God loves it when we're a cheerful giver. So pray, seek his face, know him and trust him. And let's ask God that he would take the resources, the time, the energy, the knowledge, the wisdom, and the finances that we have as a church. And that he would do something extravagant this, this year. That at the end of the year, when we're, when we're evaluating and we're looking back to see what God did in November, because I already have it on my calendar, that that Sunday in November, as we look back at the year of joyous generosity, that we can say, God, you did amazing things. Thank you. And praise be to you. Would you pray with me, Lord? Thank you for your goodness. Thank you for being such a giving and loving God. It reminds me of what Job said. As he just experienced hardship that is hard to even fathom and losing all that he lost. But he blessed you. And he blessed your name. Because he knew that you are the God who gives and the God who takes away. I pray, Lord, that you would enlarge our vision and our understanding of who you are in a better way. Help us to see you more and more throughout our circumstances and throughout our, this, each situation, our jobs, our homes, our schools, our families. Lord, continue to help us to see how we can be hilarious givers. That we're so stricken and overwhelmed with joy and happiness. As we give of what you have entrusted to us. Lord, we can't do that in and of ourselves. We need you working in us. Showing us, guiding us, leading us. Revealing your plan step by step, moment by moment. And so Lord, I pray that you would grant us faith. Open our eyes so that we can see. And Lord, may we trust you and be obedient to you as you lead us and as you guide us. Thank you for the promises of your word. Thank you that you are the owner of all good things. And Lord, that we have the great privilege of being your steward. May anxiety not stand in the way of the joy that you desire. We pray this in the precious name of Jesus. Amen.